But yeah, for those of you who don't know, this is Carissa Sensei. She's my senior, she's first senior, she's everything senior. One of the, the seniors of seniors in HDKI. Uh, we're very happy to have you, Chrissy, um, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, first things first, how are you coping with all this this COVID hardship? Um, how are you feeling? How are you going? How is training going through all the COVID stuff? Um, personally, I've been coping very well. And for my day job, nothing as much has really changed for me. I've been going to work every day right the way throughout. Um then we had Zoom, obviously, and that was exciting to begin with, and then a complete ball ache. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a little bit, I got a bit zoomed out, as did everybody else. Um, and thankfully, where I'm living in the country, touch wood, at the moment, we are able to continue dojo training. Uh, some people aren't feeling safe enough to come back to the dojo just yet, so I still am doing some Zoom classes and some one-to-ones at my own personal dojo uh, for the for the people that don't want to come back as a group activity yet. Yeah, we, we've just been put back on level five over here. Um, so we're back on Zoom, we're back uh, outdoors again and everything. It's just a, it's a yeah, total head wreck. Pain. Big pain. But yeah. It's good to hear that you've got a bit of normality with the work and stuff like that. That's good. That's better than most. Of course, I'm very fortunate. I mean, work's been crazy, clearly, because I work with very vulnerable people. But um, at the same time, I'm very fortunate to be able to go to work still. So, Chris, for, for the for the people who don't know you, we want to just dive into your your karate history a little bit. Um, so, first things first, where did your karate journey begin? It began in the uh, English Riviera, which is talky to those that don't know. Um, <laughs> at the uh, very young age of eleven years old. Um, it was um, a very active dojo. It was in the days when, you know, the early eight to mid-80s when dojos were rammed uh, every day and a little bit more lively, dare I say, than they are now. It was a lot scrappier, uh, a lot harder. Uh, most people left the dojo with blood on their dogies. Um, it wasn't unusual and... I think now if you get a little bit of blood on your gear, you go home feeling a bit sorry for yourself. <laughs> but whereas in those days it was absolutely uh, normal. And um yeah, so and when and back then uh, there were less girls, there's lots of girls and women training now. Um I was one of very few. And back in the day when I first started competing, because I think I ended my first competition about three weeks after I started training, um it was against boys. There was no separate category for girls, so I just fought against boys. You smashed every last one of them, didn't you? <laughs> no, literally. I'd, I'd literally been training for three weeks, and you had to be a yellow belt to <laughs> to enter. So I just got a yellow belt thrown at me for the day. They put that on and go and fight the boys. 
and the the boys would get super angry if the girls hit them. So they were crazy. <laughs> I remember, like, I have, a, I have a clear vision of my first competition, and I got shit kicked at me by a girl. Mm. Like, smack the shit. My first ever competition, I got beaten in the final by a girl. Yeah, mm. oh, that was first round for me, I believe. Yeah, yeah first round got smashed by a. I think it was a. I think it was an orange belt and she was an orange belt as well. I, I have a distinct vision of an orange belt girl punching me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why Roth is a raging misogynist. <laughs> you've, just so, lost, uh, you've just lost half of your listeners. <laughs> I was about to say this particular podcast is used to but uh, what I meant was we do have female listeners <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> I'm one, one of them that's me I'm one of them <laughs> 50 cents say but so does Linda down in court Linda's very court shout yeah. out for Linda Linda she was telling Give us last night she was about yeah, tell, giving out to us for being so inconsistent putting out episodes I have to but anyway, I have to say though I have to yeah. say had you got to episode 30 and not invited me I wouldn't have been listening anymore <laughs> you spoke about competition. You you're a, a very successful competitor back in the day. Like like what what did you tell us one of your your what's your favorite competition story? Because I know you competed a lot. You you are very successful. Uh, uh, tell regale us with your stories. Tell us. Um, my my favorite competitions where I was least successful most of the time was at the Crystal Palace comps. They were always the hardest. Uh, they always had the best competitors. Um, and I, I very rarely well it was only several years in that I started going there that I started to come away with trophies and I have to say that standing on a podium at the Crystal Palace with a trophy meant way more to me than than anything else I'd ever won to be honest because I was fighting against the likes of Molly Samuels um, who I'm sure you'll know about um, who was amazing Karateka in a day and somebody um, who I then started to train alongside when I then started on to train with Tiki Donovan on the squad with Tiki Donovan, um, which I have to say, those training sessions were like nothing else. I would have been happy just doing that for the rest of my life. All day, every day, you felt like a proper athlete. Um, and they were incredibly intense. Uh, some of the more memorable competitions are probably all for the wrong reasons. But there used to be a, a, something called the VMO, which was a, in the Midlands every year. It was a charity event. Again, it was incredibly lively. There was, it wasn't unusual for the referees to lose complete control, and the whole teams wow. would be on the tatami. Um, and there was one particular event I was at at the VMO um, when I think it was 1990 that the Marines, the the Army, came in to settle things down <laughs> because wow. they just lost completely control. One minute we had the Ninja Turtles on the mat doing a little display, and then there was a complete riot between some Shotokan and some Kempo people. And uh, amazing, and, and it, was uh, a girl, it, it was a girls' fight actually that kicked it all off. <laughs> so it sounds like you enjoy a bit of a scrap, Chrissy, sort of like a bit of a, a bit of a bit of danger in the dojo. Um, not so much like competition kumite now. I, I think I evolved when I was obviously competing. I was at my my fittest. My I was at my peak. I was at my fastest, and I and I think I had a good chance of always doing well um because of how much I was training of course but but these days for me um I've evolved much more into um if you talk about scrapping for me that means rolling around the floor and blood and snot everywhere and that's kind of what I if I've evolved into and what I enjoy more um, wow. I, 
and you know and, and when you start losing at competitions because you're getting older and frailer you, you're inside you're shouting if the referee wasn't here I'd kill you I have witnessed something like that. So we, me, me, and Pussy were on a, a, a Japan trip together, and we're in a, we're in Okinawa training for Naga Sensei. Do you remember the second day? Scott asked him if we could, if we could do some kata. I said, yeah, sure. He done an hour and a half of committee, <laughs> half an hour of kata to the end. We just do those line drills, those line drills, yeah. and just going up to the top of the line fighting. Then changing up to the top fight, change up to the top fight. And uh, I remember Tommy was at the front and I was standing behind you. And you didn't like Tommy was like, you know, Duke am I ready for, for whatever cry technique? You just leapt up like that and fucking you were rolling up the ground and had him in the headlock. was like, oh, my God. I was, oh man, that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. That was pissing myself laughing about it. Like, ah, ah, look at Tommy. And, and, and do you know <laughs> what? I, I have to say that until we stepped out of that dojo and we finished training it was only because um one of the girls in the changing room said to me chrissy you're a fucking animal what did you just do to tommy that i thought about it and thought <laughs> oh yeah i did i did do that but i think um what i always say to i, I had to stop doing competition kumite after i worked for the police in the prison service because it ruined it because we were now i was now used to just grabbing hold of people and holding them uh, by way of taking control and when you're doing that day in, day out, and you're, a large proportion of your day is spent on the floor with people um, because they are leading it that way, my, my memory pattern now, my, my brain is telling me that I just have to take control. I have to get that person and take control before it gets out of control. So um, mostly fear-led, but then that is dragged into the dojo with me. I, I feel unable to uh, do kumite now without trying to grab hold of people and take them down to the floor. Have you ever trained in any Brazilian jiu-jitsu? No, um, I haven't. Most of my exploratory, should I say, interest has been in Kaya jiu-jitsu, which was all about pressure points and um, chokeouts and stuff like that. Um, I can remember years ago when I first tried Kaya jiu-jitsu, um, it was with Aidan Trimble, actually. Um, he was still working alongside Vince Morris at the time, who went into Kaya jiu-jitsu, and we did this seminar at... Nottingham University, where we paid the students 10 quid a day, basically, so that we could choke them out and, and hit them <laughs> in the pressure points. <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, we just, we're just like, well, look what happens to the heart rate when we whack them here and it go like from 40 beats a minute to 210 or something. So boxing, I was really interested in boxing for a long time. And certainly when I was competing like at an international level, when I did my first couple of uh, world championships, I did a lot of boxing training purely to work on speed uh, and the athleticism that the boxers brought. That at the time, I didn't think there's anybody fitter than a boxer, um, and I felt that when I trained mm. with them. So, um, yeah, for speed, they were great people to train with. Excellent. I find that interesting. So you're touching on, you know, a different martial arts and different disciplines that you've you that you've sort of dived into to, to improve performance and stuff. Like, do do you think like do you think that there's certain things that karate doesn't have? that's essential for to, to look elsewhere for? Not so much now. Um, and I'll tell you for why, because we've become much smarter about not only how we train, but how we teach people. Um, so I think certainly for you guys, you get the best of it with your morning training. You know, you do all your strengths, your plyometrics, um, all the speed stuff that's built in. 
uh, you are having the dream karate experience, I think, from a training point of view. Yeah, from, from a kind of all-rounded training perspective, I think you are guys are covering all bases. Uh, the only thing I threw a lot into my own training when I was competing a lot is I did an awful lot of strength training. I trained a lot of weights. Um, and obviously, I'm quite slight and small, but not just um, to get stronger from a physical point of view, but it, it helped a lot. Um, I was a catechine in my early days, and it helped a lot for the jumps and stuff like that to be able to take off. You know, Onsu in, in, would be a good example, even getting off the floor now after the Morshis can, can be a challenge, but to spring up off the floor and look like you're floating um, yeah. is is much easier if you're deadlifting three times your body weight or squatting three times your body weight. Cool. I'm sure there's loads more to tell there, but let's shift the focus from your karate history and let's look at what you're doing right this instant in your, in your training, maybe not, not, not just yet to talking about your dojo and maybe the business side of things or, or classes or your approach as a, as a sensei, but what about your approach as a, as a karateka on the path right now, what are you working on? Um, well, I've recently, I'm getting older, obviously, and um, I started doing CrossFit recently as a, mm -hmm. as a way of uh, building my fitness and, uh, again, uh, my strength. I've noticed certainly over the eight, last 18 months that my, my strength has reduced quite significantly. Um, maybe the average person wouldn't have noticed, but if you're training, you, you do notice it more. So CrossFit is uh, now an addition to my own karate training. Um, I always, I've always, always got, um, I'll show you, in fact, I have a timetable that I follow quite religiously with regards to my personal training, and it looks like that. Mm, oh, that's full. That's full. Yeah, that's full. <laughs> okay, so, um, so I run three times a week. Um, I try and fit into batter a couple of times a week. Um, I rotate all of my kata, including the hay and kata. And I've also twice a week in there, I've got theory in, in as well because it was very absent from my younger days of um, training. So I put theory in there and also writing lesson plans and stuff. So, yes, it is full. Um, and I don't always achieve it, but I have a goal um, to do that as much as possible. Wow. So you've got a very regimented kind of uh kind of karate life it's different for us because we don't we don't have to motivate motivate ourselves so much to uh to turn up and train because it's our job <laughs> yeah absolutely and and when when i'm running alongside my day job and obviously teaching as well it's it's quite tough so i have to be quite scheduled about my whole life otherwise no. you would not achieve anything so so keeping your training regimented and, and scheduled like that does that help you stay what, what else helps you stay motivated um passion <laughs> it's mm -hmm. never gone away having a love for what I do it doesn't kind of leave it hasn't left me um so much some occasionally obviously covid has affected me in some ways you've lost some a little bit of spark but I, I don't really need I, I have an incredible work ethic and it's been with me from a child and that's been whether it's been a, 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 from a professional point of view or whatever I've got my teeth into at the time um I just work hard for the only reason is that you don't get results without it. And that's very clear. Um, when I was much younger and competing and doing really well, it used to irritate me if people told me I was quite natural because I really wasn't. I was just training harder than everybody else. Um, and every day, every hour I possibly could fit in. 
so it wasn't a fact. We all know that it, uh, karate is about repetition. It's just about repetition. No, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's impossible to be a natural at something like karate. And yeah, people are athletic, like gifted with athletic ability, mm-hmm. but you still have to train really, really hard. Ah, easy for you to say. <laughs> You're so flexible. You're so strong. I stretch every day. <laughs> train every yeah, day. it's interesting because I. I <laughs> I do think people can just turn their hand to some stuff. I was, I've been teaching a couple of BJJ people recently um, and it's been nice to be flexible enough within my own Shotokan training to give them some stuff they believe in. But having never done karate before, they just fallen straight into it because they can fight. Yeah, I think like, you know, it, it, it's more like uh, about experience, right? Like when I try any other kind of martial art, anything that's remotely like remotely on the same line as karate, it's it's really easy because yeah. you know karate is so tough. You know, and, yeah. and I think that's the same for everyone. Like a boxer's going to be able to like you know naturally spot bar just as good as any karate guy with their hands. Like no, I completely agree. And then with with uh, teaching, like like you were talk, talking about your your own path, that teaching you mentioned a couple of times. You're now teaching on an international level. You were. Uh, there was a video I saw a video of you teaching the other day in, in Sweden um, I can't remember when it was but it was in Martin Krona's dojo yeah last October uh, and how and how do you find teaching internationally um, is that something that you that was a goal of yours you know when you started teaching you know your own dojo with the United places or is it just a happy result of your effort it was a goal when I was about 23 <laughs> so over t- over 20 years ago but um, I kind of had not thought that it would come to anything because it hadn't thus far. And then and then it's happened. I met Martin in Japan, as you know, and we got on incredibly well. Um, we're quite similar in a lot of ways. And because of that connection, I think he just hooked me over. And um, I have to say that whilst I was incredibly nervous about going, it was my first international seminar to teach at. I loved it and I loved the people and it felt quite natural. Um and then the same when I went to Norway with Simon in the month later, in November, it was actually okay. It felt okay. I always feel like when I go to, to teach, uh, if I get invited somewhere, I'm really nervous about it until like we all stand the line up and, I, and, we, stand and we do that first read. And I'm like, oh, it's just like a normal class. Like you do this yeah. all the time. Like it's fine. And you kind of just fall into your rhythm a little bit. So the more I do it, the less nervous I get. But um like you, you came here to teach. Like unfortunately, I, I was away. I think I was in, uh, I was either in Barcelona or Macedonia at the time. But I was away in my own doing my own thing. When you and Andrea came to teach, what, what did you think of the dojo? Was it like first time, first time teaching the dojo? How was that experience? I was super nervous about coming to Dublin to teach in front of Scott, and I can remember <laughs> he doesn't know this, but uh, I looked up the line once. I I was teaching at a a drill and I said to Duke Komi and I looked up the line and saw what I thought looked like a Kiyagi I said we're not doing Kiyagi we're doing Kikomi and then I looked back and it was Scott uh, but I didn't know it was him. Uh, and then I thought, oh, shit, that was Scott Sensei. <laughs> and he, he probably didn't even think that I was talking to him, so it was fine. It kind of just went away. And he never oh, would have known about it And had I not mentioned it now. <laughs> oh, my love. But, yeah, I, like, I remember the first time I was teaching 
for the Scott. Um, when I first got the job here, and I was uh, my first time in front of him, and I remember everything that I'd ever learned about karate just went out the window. I was like stumbling, bumbling mess. I didn't know what I was doing. And, uh, and I went, to, and I went up to him afterwards. I was like, "Man, I was like, I've never been more nervous in my life." You know, like competitions, gradings, all that stuff. I was like, teaching in front of him was like, as its own challenge in itself. You know, never mind teaching a good class. Uh, it's, it's, it's a bit, bit nerve-wracking. Now it's a Yeah, because he, he takes the piss out of us all the time now. No matter so it doesn't, it doesn't matter what we do. <laughs> yeah, but like I've said to you guys before, it's really good that you do laugh at yourselves because I think uh, it was never encouraged when I was coming up through uh, the ages through karate and we were very serious about our karate and we were very hard on ourselves. And, and you know, now in my own dojo, I'm just saying to people, just laugh at yourself. If you can't do it, so what? Just keep practicing. Um, because if you don't laugh at yourself, it becomes quite a horrible place to be at times when you're just constantly beating yourself up. If you don't enjoy training, then, then why are you doing it? You know, like yeah. it's, it's hard enough. It's hard enough without you being hard on yourself. You know. Yeah. You need to give yourself a little bit of respite from it. Well, it's a it's a combination, isn't it? Because you do need to be hard on yourself. You need to be honest, honest with yourself, I think. Okay. Not necessarily hard on yourself, but honest with yourself. You need to know when something's shit or when it's good. And then you need to be able to go, oh, shit, I need to practice that and not be like, oh, life's over. When I first started training with Asano uh, years ago, he would, like, if people weren't doing stuff to his standard, he would just take them down on the floor and stamp on them. You know, it's, that's the sort of <laughs> punishment you were, you were terrified of not doing it the way he wanted it. There's a lot Can't of messed just... up karateka out there as a result of that. <laughs> <laughs> do, uh, do you think that, that the style of training, like you were talking about how you know, back in the day you'd come away all bloodied up and stuff and that was like a normal day, do you think that things have changed for the better or do you wish that things were a little more old school at times? Um, I think... You can't. You got. You can have it one way or the other. I don't think you can find an in between. And I and I say that because we didn't know any different, so we didn't question it. We just got on untrained. Um, and now in the dojo, there are some people that feel able to take a punch and don't mind, and there are other people that will be incredibly upset by it. And and how do you judge that um, in any one dojo? So I think we we do incredibly polite karate now. Um, I wonder I wonder how that disables them a little bit in the sense that are they really ready for an attack? Uh, because maybe people we're maybe we're a little bit more passive than we used to be. If you watch some of the old uh, competitions from uh, the 80s and 90s, it is full on. And uh, uh, Molly Samuels posted something recently and, you know, people had the old style bandages around their head, patches on their eyes. And if you didn't leave a competition without a patch on, you hadn't done very well. <laughs> Um, so I, the, there's there's fours and against, you know, the, the the MMA guys maybe I think have taken it a little bit too far. I think some of that there's no skill to it. It's just pure brutality. Um, sometimes, you know, if you're straddled on somebody and then just smash them in the face, you know, anyone anyone can do that if they get the, this themselves into an advantage position. I don't know. There's fours and fours and against. I think people are different now than they were. Right. So, so you don't, you, so pe people being different now, by that, do you mean that there's no place for that kind of training, for that kind of karate training in today's society? I think there's definitely a place for it. I think the culture's changed. I think we turned up and we were like, um, 
soldiers. We just did what we were told. We were very ordered. It was incredibly disciplined. There was no fooling around. And I know we still take our karate very seriously, but we do have fun in the dojo. There was none of that. Um, because if you did that, you got hurt. Um, so there wasn't space for it. Um, maybe somewhere in the middle is a, is a happy place to be. Wow. And it depends what people are trying to achieve. You know, if, if you're trying to um, compete and win medals and be the best, then you have to have that level of pressure. If you're just rocking up to the dojo because you want to get a little bit fit, you want to feel confident about how you handle yourself on the street if something happened, then that's a whole different scenario. And we all know that we have uh, huge different huge differences in all the people that attend the karate now. I think that's why, you know, sometimes you have those like specialised sessions. Like I know that, um, for example, on Saturdays, I run a competition class. And that is literally, if you're, you know, motivated to compete, and do karate in a very serious way. You come along to, to that class, that's fine. But every other class, you train hard, you don't train hard. I'm going to produce a class for you either way. Whereas in that mm -hmm. competition, they're sort of signing up to be pushed a little bit further, be a little bit harder on them, push them to that sort of breaking point. Because I know they've that's what they're signing up for by showing up to that class. You know? Yeah. It helps yeah. a little Yeah, for sure. So the, the Tiki Donovan's and even Aiden's later when I was training with Aiden in the squad sessions, those were really tough sessions. They were non-stop and you, you didn't walk for a couple of days afterwards. You know, everything had just died within you. Um, and I don't, it's rare, it's rare that you get to train like that. Obviously, the Inaga session, uh, Ross, that was probably as close I've come in years to something like those squad sessions. It's funny because everyone, I remember, like everyone kind of had a wake-up call in that session went, oh, okay, this is, this is like a, this is a this, this is a real now. I remember, like almost everyone came away burst open and, and ribs were yeah. broken and, and eyes and lips and everything were all got to pieces and stuff. It was just that you walked and everyone. I think when we went round the table to do the best and worst, I think everyone said on Aga session for sure. Like, yeah. you know. But yeah. did you guys? So I wasn't in Okinawa. So uh, did you? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys do that to each other? Or was that Onaga's guys? Uh, like, were they were they fighters? <laughs> guys stepped out. They were like, this guy stepped out. It was to each other. <laughs> yeah, completely to each other. It was just big Ray. Big Ray Stretch just gave one one of those big key eyes. We're like, right, let's go. Oh my gosh! When I think back at that Onaga session, um, if you could witness flow at work. It was in that room. We yeah. were completely, um, Mushin was present totally. We were just completely in the moment and we were fighting what felt for our lives, completely focused. Um, and, and for that reason, it was a very, very beautiful thing for, for yeah. that moment to capture that because it, it is, again, it's rare that people are so wound up now that they are just being, they're just present and they're just, the karate is just coming to the front and they are behind it. It was amazing. Yeah. But, but did Onaga Sensei encourage you to get into that mindset? Did he do something or did he set up the, the drills in a certain way? Or did you guys just go insane? Do you know what? He, he was a very scary man. And I think if you'd whacked him with a plank of wood, it would have broken. Um, but <laughs> I, I, saw, I, got, um, I hurt my wrist in that session. And I, I, I was aware that I kept grabbing hold of it. 
And he very discreetly, while we was in the line, he very discreetly just walked along the line and looked over at me and just went like this on his wrist and went like that. He just this little check in with me and there was something quite um, lovely about it, so quite sensitive about it. So that, yeah, there was um, some warmth in there for sure. I remember just trying to get acknowledgement from him because he'd like, we were doing that committee and we're going, we're going and he was giving everyone like, feedback or nods and stuff and I was like I haven't got I like, a nod yet I want to I need a nod and I was trying my best to do something like spectacular the whole thing like I need to kick everyone in the head like for the next five rounds or so uh, eventually I got a little <laughs> 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 oh man exactly. yeah you just wanted you wanted to, to you were willing to push yourself to that limit absolutely like, oh. he he brought that out in you for, and, and like you say it's rare that his presence did that and I, I got that nod from him too when I put Tommy in a headlock so I was quite chuffed <laughs> and, uh, and, si- and Simon Blyson said to me afterwards you made an Argosense smile you made an Argosense smile <laughs> <laughs> so are there other instructors for you Chrissy that bring out the best in you um it's, it's it's hard now you know because there are so many good people to train with um I think when I was younger and you were training around there were a few dotted here and there I mean clearly you know I was fortunate to have trained with Aidan since as much as I did uh Dave Hazard I, I loved training with him he he kind of maybe developed my interest more in, in bunkai and the scrappier kind of ways Terry O'Neill in his own day was really good he was a terrifying man and, and had an equal equally terrifying presence in an Anaga way um his karate can be brutal um but but these days you know when I when I look at on the circuit I I'm not gonna keep saying it for the same sake but I I think Scott's one of the best out there um I think he's delivering and involving all of the time um and what I love one of the things I love about him more than ever is his work ethic you know I don't see anybody working as hard as him And, and for that alone I have the greatest of respect um, so it's not just about physical ability or presence or who's charging the most or who can charge the most. It is about but that really. I really respect the work ethic. But um, yeah, so out of all these all these um, senses that you've mentioned, I uh, you you mentioned Molly Sensei, but like there is there. Do you think that there is a lack of diversity when it comes to? instruction do you like you you're teaching internationally now i don't think there are very many women getting asked to teach internationally at the moment why is that how can it change is there a reason for it um i don't think we put ourselves out there enough i think that's the first and foremost um and don't get me wrong it, it clearly is still very much a male-dominated world um my my dream is I mean I, I often get a little bit saddened and I don't know why but I do get a bit saddened when I see a host of the whole lineup is male instructors and I'm like there should be a woman in there <laughs> there should be a woman in there at least one woman in there um, but it's not a gift you know it's not something that just gets handed out to you you've got to put yourself out there you've got to be prepared to work hard and, and give it I, I've spoken to lots of women over the past and it, I don't want it to feel like it's tokenistic. I want it to feel like that person's worked really hard and they have something special to offer, you know, and, and times are still young. You know, there's a, there was a British female boxer called Jane Couch um, and she competed, she had quite a long boxing career between 94 and 2007. 
but she didn't fit, get her official boxing license until 1998. You know, that's that's quite recent in, in the time. So I think, yeah, karate is perhaps still a little bit behind, but there are all manner of reasons why women might not be out there teaching. You know, we, we do still have children and families and that does often take precedence. Um, maybe it's not that attractive to that many people. You know, it's not that well paid unless you're you know up in the maybe top 20 it means having a lot of time away from home there's all manner of reasons what what it must be but I don't want to believe that it's because there's this barrier between men and women I don't want to believe that because I think it's bigger I mean of course I recognize that some female karateka feel that they experience and probably do experience some sexism within dojos and within associations of course it happens it happens all over but so do men experience discrimination and so disabled people experience discrimination you know uh, everybody experiences discrimination if you're amongst some unpleasant people um but I do think that we're a lot more well-rounded now and a lot more open and so my next goal is to be that woman in one of those lineups with a whole host of men teaching um, just so that I can have that photo up on my wall in my old people's home and just so I did it. <laughs> <laughs> when I see a, a, a female instructor doing a female-only class, that drives me crazy. Yeah. I'm like, good enough to teach the females, surely they're good enough to teach everyone. Just have them teach yeah. seminar, mm. rather than, oh, we'll, do, we'll let you teach just the women. Like... That doesn't make sense. That doesn't compute. That's pure sexist. Like, it just doesn't make sense. You mean on a course, they'd say, like, oh, so on a female instructor just to teach women? So, like, oh, yeah, so this female instructor is going to do a female in the class. Yeah. So, why not just have that female instructor teach? Yeah. I've had, I've had invites. I've had invites from dojos to go and teach a female class. And I've turned them down. For that reason? Yeah. If I'm coming to teach, I'm coming to teach everybody. You don't just say you're coming, but only to teach the women. I'll teach yeah. everybody. Thank you very much. Good, everyone. Yeah, I think it's different, isn't it? Because over there in, in HTKI UK, you have a uh, or GB, I should say, you have a um, a female-only course once a year or competition. Com- oh, it's competition. a competition. You know, I I don't want again. I don't want to get hung up on male, female, and all those sorts of things. I get that there are some women, as there will be men and all other types of people, that just don't feel confident in in doing that. And maybe they do need just a female-only class. You know, I get asked in my local area, do you do ladies-only classes? For whatever reason, uh, some people have had experiences that would affect their lives to a level where they don't feel that they can possibly go into that environment it might terrify them there'd be anxiety there'd be all sorts of stuff so I get that and I'm happy to support that um but if it's purely about segregation then I'm not buying into that whatsoever so uh Chrissy Sensei does being a karate black belt make you make a person um uh, an expert in self-defense yes or no yes 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 we can kill everybody (laughs) 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 i don't know i just you know you hear a lot of people saying karate doesn't work 
And and if you look at somebody, say, doing kihon, you know, you'd be like, well, yeah, that, that, that that's never going to work in a fight, you know? And obviously it's a very yeah, nuanced okay. conversation. There's a lot more to say about that. But do you think karate people can handle themselves generally in a scrap? I think we certainly know how to punch people. And, and the uh-huh. first thing I would do if somebody entered my space was to punch them okay. to prevent them coming any closer. So, so yeah, we can handle ourselves. What do we mean by self-defence? Because historically, my um, experience of self-defence classes is people get taught locks and holds and grabs and headlocks. Well, if somebody's coming to attack me, I don't want to put them in a headlock. I don't want to keep them closer to me any longer than I need to. I want to get them. I want to hit them. I want to get away. Um, that's the best form of defence, surely. And I don't think you can teach people locks, holds and grabs and headlocks in a couple of hours here and there. It's a lifetime execution of work. Um, I think I'm probably fair better than most because I've done lots of control and restraint work with the police and the prison service. So I know how to do all of that stuff and it's quite instinctive and it has to be instinctive. It has to be a reaction. It can't be something you have to think about. So yeah, the best form of defence I think any karate guy is to just stick one on them and run off. Um, we don't <laughs> want to be involved in a long-term fight. You know, we, that's what we do for the dojo. Um and in any situation, these days, people are carrying knives and guns and God knows what else. So you don't want them close to you. The closer you are, the light, more likely you're to get a blade stuck in you. So, yeah, I wouldn't. I don't. I did used to teach self-defense years ago. I used to get asked to do it a lot. And I used to go around to um, boarding schools and stuff like that. It was part of their curriculum. And we did do a, a lot of what was expected to be te- taught. But um Certainly, another thing that I learned more than anything in the prison service was one of my best weapons was my voice. You talk your way out of anything. Um, it really is the best thing to to use in the first instance. But you know, you know what um, you know. Our ancestors gave us instinct for a reason, and we we all get switched on quite quickly. We've all walked past that person in the street that's made our stomach twitch a little bit, and we don't know for what reason, um, and we just have to rely on those to be more mindful and that's nothing to do with karate that's all completely to do with instinct it's in our dna excellent i think uh i think it's time to start time chrissy you know what time that is fail i love a fail my fail is clearly exposing myself to um critiquing scott sensi in the lineup <laughs> <laughs> Man, if that happened to me, I'd want to crawl into a hole and die. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm wanting to, that I'm starting to go now. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to fail? Yeah, yeah. What's your fail? So I, I have been arguing with Scott since you all week oh, about, <laughs> about uh, I, I, Uruken and Tetsui. And, uh, just winding him up a bit. Um, so I was telling him that uh, Uruken's a waste of time. Uh, much rather just hammer for someone in the face than that. Um, just as a bit of fun. You know? um, kind of playing about with the idea of back, like, why would you do this as opposed to this? Doesn't make sense to me. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Have you any thoughts on that? <laughs> not, not out of that. I used to use it a lot in competition. Because um, obviously mm. I'm quite short. So I used to do this thing where I jumped up in the air and went over the top of the Uruken. Um, I think 
I think you have to be careful. It's just like the top of our foot, the back of our hand, isn't it? We've got those soft bones and stuff. So I do think that Bruce Lee whip on the end is super important to ensure that you get the, the knuckles connecting and not the back of the hand. It's pointless hitting somebody with the flat of the back of your hand. That's quite dangerous, I think. And you probably mash it up a little bit. <laughs> right. But Tetsui, yeah. for me, Tetsui feels a bit like hitting somebody with a marshmallow because it feels a bit soft. Um, but it depends where I was hitting them, of course. If I was hitting them in the groin, then it'd feel like a sledgehammer. So, um, but I was arguing, my feeling is, I was arguing with Scott today about this, and I him up. And then uh, he decided to do the sparring, like we were going to start monitoring off the sparring. And he came in very aggressive <laughs> to try to, like, like, to prove a point. And uh, we got in an exchange, and I got my, I, I couldn't be there, boom, right the, right the guts, boom. And he was like, you <laughs> and, he, and he started coming at me the way he does, it's about sort of tiger blood DNA. Like, <laughs> and, uh, and he grabbed me, and I went, oh, he's going to do something. And I oh. pulled my elbows in so, I didn't, so he didn't like kick my elbows or something. And he ends up kneeing me square on the elbow, and he's crippled him. <laughs> he's, he's crippled. Like, he's crippled. I'm putting him out of commission, like he's done. He's crippled. And uh, I've been suffering ever since. I've been suffering a little bit because of that. So my favourite hurt just got into arguing with Scott. We're just just poking the bear, really. <laughs> <That's my laughs> okay, mine's very similar. Um, I uh, when we were sparring in that same session, I um, kicked our our, our intern. And uh, I cut his hand open. <laughs> Poor David Pope Sensei um, has been, has had his hand wrapped up for half the week because um, my toenails kind of slashed his hand. Open. <laughs> it's quite bad. The internship is supposed to be a little bit like that, but not when you're an eighth dan and you're in your sixties, you know. And he's 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 not here for the same reasons all our other interns have have travelled here. So I feel a bit stupid for having uh, get too, too for having, get too for having not cut your toenails. Going back to years ago, we used to have a toenail and nail, fingernail inspection before training. Ooh. Well, I keep my, my fingernails long on this hand for guitar playing. Your guitar, of course. Mm. Yeah. I just have to uh, try not to cut people with them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Chrissy Sensei, we have to go. We, we we have uh, other appointments, but uh, mm -hmm. is there anything you want to, to give a shout out to? Anything you want to touch on just before we leave? Uh, now that you you've got the the most the, the biggest platform in the HDKI, you know this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about time, really. To be honest, <laughs> I'm not going to keep mentioning it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, just thank you guys for having me on. Um, it's been great to speak to you this afternoon, and I hope that. Um, I get over there to see you as and when COVID, dare I say it, allows. Absolutely. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been a great chat. We will definitely do it again because I feel like we've just skimmed the surface of Chrissy's karate story. There's, there's a, yes, lot you have, more, for sure. a lot more in there. So for sure, we'll get you back on um, sooner rather than later. But we very much appreciate your time, Chrissy. We're very thankful, very grateful. Um, and hopefully we'll see you soon. Right back at you guys. Thank you very much. Nice to see you. Take care. Awesome. Awesome. Bye 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 bye. Thank you.